We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. It is 2021. Chris is still having, does not have the blue check. It's okay. We'll work on it, Chris. Talk to him. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. We'll get you there, Chris. We'll get you there. Eventually. 2020, tw- tw- <laughs> Twitter's got some bigger things to handle right now, <laughs> but we'll get to your blue check. Uh, eventually, we're preparing for Seahawks-Rams in the wild card round of the NFC playoffs. Seahawks are the three seed. The Rams are the six seed. These two teams are playing for the umpteenth time this season. Uh, and to preview it, we have our favorite guest uh, on the show. She's setting the record for how many times she's appeared on the program. We have Rams beat writer for The Athletic, Jordan Rodrigue. Jordan, what's going on? Hi, guys. How are you? Uh, we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing good. Yeah. Chris is chilling in his robe. We're, we're all right. I'm bundled up. Looks like I just got out the snow. Uh, we're <laughs> doing good. Are you ready to talk thumbs and quarterbacks, Jordan? Because I feel like that's the main thing going on here uh, this week. You know what? I had like a weird uh, brain moment earlier today because I recognized that I had typed out the word thumb like 40 times since uh, last week. But every time I had typed it out with my own thumbs, guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, this that's that's playoff football for you. Here. That's that's what it's it's come it's come down to. Like, is there any bigger topic right now with that team than Jared Goff's thumb? I feel like a finger has never been a bigger deal, like in an NFL playoff matchup. I know, and you know, I also it, it, the irony doesn't cross me. Uh, Isker escaped me either that everyone commented on Jared Goff's smaller hand size when he was coming out of the draft. So not even, it, it's not even a normal quarterback size thumb. It's actually a smaller than average size quarterback thumb that we're discussing here. So it, it's, it's been crazy, guys. You could tell it's um, a little loopy talking about this subject because I cannot believe how many thumb-related uh, items I've studied this last two weeks. But but yeah, it's 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 a huge indicator. It's between the health of the thumb and how it responds to 
all of the various scenarios, including the weather, I think, would be a big one um, that he could face over the, the course of a, a standard NFL game and, and also expecting a more physical NFL game and a playoff game and high stakes. And, man, he's really – I can't quite put my thumb on it, guys, but it's really, really high stakes. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Pete Carroll doesn't ever give us – really solid injury updates at least he tries not to he tries to dance around it and i appreciate the work you guys are doing in la to get answers out of sean mcveigh because it's very tough sean's smart he's not been doing this head coach thing very long but he's smart like i think you posted that uh jared goff was uh, sean said that jared was going to take snaps uh this week or whatever day it was and then you asked him uh from which center he was going to take snaps from which is brilliant that is a brilliant <laughs> one how did how did sean, like does sean know you that well because i thought for sure he would have took the bait on that yeah he he actually gave me like a pretty he gave me a grin on that one because he knew i was going to try something so because i mean you just have to like they're not telling us who's going to start get this too these, these two guys, John Walford and Jared Goff, they're both speaking to media this week. Mm. They're both speaking on the same day. And they also are taking every single practice at the same time. So we really, I mean, other than health status updates on the thumb, it's really tough to, to tell. I, I, I kind of appreciate the gamesmanship here because they know how important the opponent is and particularly after the loss last time they they really know and so i was kind of i wrote my column this week dude if i was sean mcveigh i wouldn't tip my hand or my thumb either i would just <laughs> play the game at this point and it, it's almost like you can't even be mad at it so so i was like you know what he knows that i understand that he has to do this so obviously if he can tell me which center then I can discern, like, maybe if it's a starting center, then maybe it's maybe Jared's starting. No way was he taking the bait on that. I can't outbrain the brain over there. What does Jared Goff said, if anything? You can see that Sean McVay is not going to give his hand or thumb in this situation. <laughs> but has Jared Goff indicated that I will be out there no matter what? Or has he taken the back seat and said, I'm just waiting to see what I can do on game day? No, he hasn't talked yet. So they, he and John Walford, they waited till the last possible day for media availability for the week to roll them out in front of media on our Zoom pressers. And uh, like I said, they're both going. So I, I really, I mean, I, I plan, if nobody else does, I plan on asking him straight up, dude, are you starting on Saturday? <laughs> but but I doubt I'm going to get anything. Like he'll probably laugh and say, you'll see, or something like that. Like Sean McVay said, we would find out at 1.39 p.m. on Saturday who, wow. who would be starting. Now, I doubt that very much. These things tend, as you guys know, tend to leak out via various league insiders. So I really doubt that we're going to have to wait that long. But it's it's like I, I also doubt these quarterbacks are going to give anything away. You know, it's I'm, I'm looking at Sean McVay's wiki page right now because I wanted to know if he ever coached in college because anyone uh, who follows their college team very closely knows that those coaches do this all the time. Uh, we yeah. probably we probably got a lot of Wazoo and UW people listening right now. Both you know, both coaches did that. I think this year, like I think the UW coach legit did not tell anyone until like kickoff. Yeah, <laughs> and then, ridiculous. And dude from the Seattle Times broke it like the day before, and everybody got pissed. Uh, but that is that is just oh, it's it's hilarious the the lengths these guys will go through to hide uh something as if the Seahawks aren't going to be ready, no matter what. But the Seahawks do have the dilemma of preparing kind of differently for because John can move a little bit, uh, Jared does not. Um, is that the main difference, Jordan, between uh, the two in terms of running the offense? 
Yeah, so the Rams are still running their offense, right? So it looks different. The, the interesting thing to me that I've been sort of studying um, since Sunday is the reason why it looks different, one, is because, yeah, they sprinkle in a couple of design runs for John because he has that ability. But the reason why it doesn't look like the same offense, you know, the really stagnant offense, the Rams have actually struggled to put any points on the board, haven't downs in two weeks, 50% in the red zone the last three games. Like, you, you really can see what the sort of longer developing plays look like and what the depth of the playbook can be because this John Walford is a quarterback who uses his feet to move his pocket around to help his offensive linemen. Um, he can get into the boot action faster, so the Cardinals tried to, kept trying to cover up that boot action that you know the Rams like so much, but John Walford's get into it quicker so it's harder for that free rusher to kind of cover. And so now there's an advantage downfield, so you can see a little bit more of the depth there. You can also see he resets his launch point very, very well. So when he's pressured and he evades that pressure, he can reset his targets downfield at the launch point from which he's throwing the ball. And so that sets up a play a little bit differently. So it's really interesting because it, it's, it's almost – it's like the Seahawks don't have to prepare for a different offense at all. But what they would, if John Wolford is playing, what they would have to prepare for is the fact that this guy can move. And so you, you want to make sure he doesn't have the advantage in the numbers downfield on some of those longer passes and some of those mid-range passes. But you also can't leave too much space up front because he's going to take those easy yards with his feet every single time. What would you say is Wofford's one strength and one weakness going into this matchup, considering he does start? Yeah, so definitely the way that he can move his pocket around. Like, I would say that might even be a bigger advantage against the type of pressure Seattle would want to bring, even more so than uh, than picking, you know, those design runs. I think the Seahawks could, could well cover some of those design runs should they see them. Um, but, but the way that John can move his pocket around and, reset, like I said, reset his launch points and be very, very difficult um, in terms of extending a play and making it harder not just for the guys up front but harder for the guys downfield to cover. I think he is very good at that. Um, he gets through his progressions extremely well also. And then the, the weakness, though, is, is there are questions still about arm strength. And some of those downfield passes, you would have liked to see him lead the receiver a little bit more. Um, the Rams as a whole, they're – their huge weakness right now is is actually scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and I would expect Seattle to try to capitalize on those things. Wow, uh, that's one hell of a weakness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can't score points, can't win games. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it helps, I guess, if the defense is just gonna gonna, gonna yeah. score points uh, like they are. I was watching. Uh, I was. Uh, we're gonna get into Jalen Ramsey real quick. I was watching Jalen tape last night, and I obviously watched the. Uh, whatever Cardinals game was, either the first or the second one, and they scored. And I was like, oh, well, this is how they're putting up these points. Like, I think Troy Hill had, like, a pick six. I was like, man, this defense is, like, almost as good as the offense right now in terms of scoring touchdowns. Yeah, they've actually scored more touchdowns in the last two weeks than the offense has. Fun fact. Wow. Uh, which is insane, considering, again, this is a Sean McVay-led offense. So you, you, it's just crazy to think about how it has such a strong defensive identity, and the Rams are – actually leading the league in defensive scoring and outscored has outscored the offense in terms of touchdowns in the last two weeks, but also on Sunday outscored the offense in terms of total points because they also had the safety. Wow. So it's like, it's pretty crazy guys. I mean, it's, it's wild to me to think about. And, um, you know, it's been a, ma a major flaw. And I think, you know, you, you start to see at this point, 
if a team has been showing the same weakness throughout the season, which they have, no matter who the quarterback is, they've, they've really struggled going over 24 to 30 points in a game. Um, you know, it, it's really been uh, sort of a characteristic that's become a part of their identity. And you just can't get very far in the playoffs if you're not putting up those points. You know, every team wants to avoid the whole bulletin board material thing. You don't ever <laughs> want to give the other team a reason to be hype, which I find like comical every week, but I really find it laughable in the playoffs. Like the other team's hype. Like I'm very <laughs> sure <laughs> they are hype to the maximum level for the for the most part. Um, but I don't know, Jordan, intentionally or not, you have provided the bulletin board material for the Seahawks this week. I'm like 99.9% sure the tweet I'm about to read made its way into the Seahawks locker room. It reads that Ram safety John Johnson, he was chuckling. He said that the Seahawks were, quote, trying to hide DK Metcalf from Jalen Ramsey last time, you know, via motions away from Jalen. Quote, I know one thing, number 20 wasn't happy about it. He looked forward to that matchup. You don't want to get him angry, end quote. Uh, yeah, well, congrats, Jordan. You provided the, the first. I didn't do it. I no. just was the messenger. I didn't <laughs> say it. Well, it's, I think that, tw- all they're going to see is the tweet. Well, they're going to know John Johnson uh, said it, of course. I think he talked some trash before the last matchup. Uh, as well but uh, yeah I think uh, now we're gonna this is round four of DK versus Jalen technically because they played um, last year in LA as well like I think uh, if between the last couple matchups what we as the media are doing and John Johnson's words I think we're gonna get the best version of this matchup on Saturday what do you think we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know what? I I want to say that. I really want to say that. I think that would be really outstanding. I know DK wants to prove himself against Jalen Ramsey. I know Jalen wants the opportunity to get those one-on-ones. But, like, and this is the thing that was confusing to me when I saw sort of how that tweet blew up was, like, the Seahawks did the smart thing by scheming EK away from uh, a one-on-one against Jalen Ramsey because Jalen Ramsey is is um, allowing an average of 20 yards per game when in coverage. Ooh. Some of the best receivers in, in the league and especially has performed outstandingly against NFC West receivers in four matchups against DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins. He's held them both combined through those four matchups that 75 yards mm. oh my god so, i mean you'd be lucky i mean you would you would probably be become born again if you could hold dk to 75 yards in a game let alone this guy's doing it against two of the best receivers in the nfl and he, and that's combined through four games 
So, you know, I think the Seahawks, this is where I kind of got lost in the, and I think, I almost wonder if Seahawks Twitter was like wanting to make it into a motivational tactic. Cause I don't think it was trash talk. I think it was like, they saw that the Seahawks were scheming DK away and Jalen Ramsey was disappointed about it. You could see it on the tape. He's like shaking his head every time DK motions away from him. And DK is not making that call. The Seahawks are making that call. So everyone was like tagging him in the tweet. I was like, what is, what are you guys doing? Like, you can't make this call. Like, why is everyone, you know, because he didn't make this decision. I had to like mute the thread. I was like, you guys, clearly he did not make this decision. This was a Seahawks call. And it was a smart thing to do because the Rams have been killed when receivers are motioning um, against them. They've actually been really not as good against the motion because they're going to let you take five, seven yards against them on some of those types of plays. And especially in the run but they're not going to give up the explosive pass play downfield. So that was the right way to play them. So yeah. I, don't, I didn't understand why people were angry. <laughs> well, not, welcome to Seahawks Twitter. Uh, it's a very interesting <laughs> place. For, for reference on the stat Jordan dropped, which is amazing, DeAndre averaged 88 yards uh, per game this year. DK averaged 81. Mm. So they both were held, you know, oh, my goodness. That is a, that's a ridiculous stat. <laughs> yeah, no, Jalen, Jalen's crazy. real deal. Yeah, that's 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 absurd. It's crazy that you brought that up because off wax Mike and I were talking about. Yeah, the Seahawks are smart. They're not trying to give the ball to DK with Jalen Ramsey covering over hovering over the top of him. And not to mention, if DK is going to drop passes, that doesn't really help the situation. You can't throw it to a tight window and DK is going to drop the ball because there was a pass in the first and the second matchup, Week 16, where he I'm going to say did like a seven yard in route. And he just dropped the ball, and Jalen was right there over the top, made a good play on it, but literally DK dropped the ball. Those are the passes that the Seahawks are shying away from because, A, Jalen's a good cover, and, B, if is not going to catch it, that can result in a turnover. So you're right, Jordan. The Seahawks are scheming away from Jalen, as they should, unless DK is going to make those competitive, contested catches. Yeah, and that's a great point, guys, because, like, really, I mean, that would be the smart way to – play this i mean the seahawks won regardless i mean they did plenty against the rams last time <laughs> and, and you know it's really like they played that extremely smart because no dk didn't have one of those games where he just absolutely broke it open but you're playing the top ranked defense against explosive pass plays explosive scoring plays explosive run plays. you have you know the situation where yeah, of course you're gonna you're gonna try to scheme them up more smartly, and I and I think that so first of all, I'm bracing myself because then if it turns out that the Seahawks are like, okay, DK is fired up, we're gonna try to get him into some one on one situations, and then he goes off against Jalen, I'm like, I'm like, I know that tweet's gonna research. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like bracing myself, but again, it's like I don't. I was so lost because I, I was sitting there watching it blow up and people just started snitch tagging him and I was like hang on a second guys this is actually scheming him away this was actually a good thing like this could have been really successful um if they would have gotten it going and gotten him more targets and kept motioning him like the 49ers all they do is motion Debo Samuel um away from Jalen Ramsey away from certain guys and they get him on short catch and runs and he absolutely rips him apart like that's all they do so I why wouldn't you try that? Why wouldn't you do that? 
Yeah, I think uh, DK is to blame for some of the. I don't know if blame's the right word, but uh, his what what happened against the Eagles, he brought this on himself. And I think Jamal Adams has uh, is, is learning that too. I think they're both only like 23, 24, is that when you let people know how they can get into your head, they're going to try it. Like the DK after that Eagles game, let everyone know Jim Schwartz got in my head for better or worse. He got in your yeah. head like Jets fans clearly get in Jamal Adams head like it's he makes that known every chance he can get. So now it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's try to get somebody in DK's head real quick. So he goes off for 177 yards and it led to a lot of snitch tagging, which <laughs> for those listening, don't do that. <laughs> Don't don't no, re- don't reply to us and tag the player like that's that's corny. Don't do that. Yeah, that made me kind of sad because I was like, man, I really I really like DK Metcalf's game. I would hate for him to think like, oh, this you know the media you know you know everything that you know kind of happens. And I I just like oh that kind of stinks when I see people do that. But also, you guys, here's here's like you know I've had that thumb revelation earlier this week. <laughs> Here was my revelation. So what if? What if they actually planned this? They knew that John Johnson was going to talk to media early in the week, and they want Jalen to get his opportunity to go one-on-one against DK. And so what if they planned it so that they knew that DK would have enough time to lobby for more one-on-one situations during practice that week so that maybe they're, they're doing reverse psychology at this point, and they want... Now they're going to see if they can bait the Seahawks into testing Jalen in this way. Ooh, I like I like a good old conspiracy think, theory there. Well, I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I'm all <laughs> for that. And I I learned I'm looking for the tweet now. Um, I, someone sent it to me. It's like from John Johnson's. He was like live on IG before the last game. Oh, here it is. He's live. And someone asks in the comments, "Is Jalen guarding his son tomorrow?" Mm. And John pins that that comment to the top of the you know how there's comments on the ig live so i think that might he i I'm learning that about this i don't know if john johnson do i never heard him speak but that if he's that dude like if he's the rams version of that uh guy from the ram or from the saints who gets punched in the face like gardner or something yes uh, right. yeah he's the pesk like if he's the patrick beverly of the rams then yes i'm with jordan's theory there <laughs> that this is all part of some like voodoo whatever mind games to get jalen ramsey more opportunities on dk which i will say is advantage rams i think well, i'm not remember, mad at that guys so john johnson first of all great dude i i assume trash talk is just part of it at this point <laughs> but, but um you know i remember telling you guys how smart and like oriented and like really really just like very honed in Jalen Ramsey is so dialed in on all of this stuff so like something like that would really Jalen Ramsey's no longer overtly trash talking but I wouldn't rule out the first psychology <laughs> oh yeah no not at all like yeah these guys are, and we're, we're dealing with a very young group that's all on their phones all these guys know each other half of them are repped by like the same agency yeah. uh, no it's the, tr- the trash talk is I can't wait I really fun. cannot wait. Watching the Jalen tape uh, that I did last night. I didn't watch every game. I just watched a lot of stuff against the big receivers. Um, and I, I really think that uh, by the time you guys are hearing this, you'll have, probably have seen Jordan's preview, um, that we the joint one we did together. And really, Seattle's best hope, I think, right now, is to throw the ball along with DK versus Jalen and hope for a defensive pass interference. <laughs> I really think that's like legit offense. That has to be because it worked what like two or three times, Jordan, against the Bucks. Uh, I want to say and the Cardinals, didn't it? Um, okay, so the Cardinals when Jalen Ramsey is in, co- the Cardinals have more yards than the receiving yards. Wow. 
That's yeah. disgusting. Wow, what a stat. No, that's th- that's what it looked like when I watched. I was like, man, Jalen's really handsy, and the refs just don't like him at all. Nope. <laughs> and just keep calling it uh, on him, and it's resulting it's resulting in points. That That is funny. Best of luck, DK, and to Jalen, both of you guys. This is going to be fun. I want to jump back to the offensive side of things for the Rams. The return of Cam Akers. How much pressure will he take off Jared or Wofford in this upcoming matchup on Saturday? Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting because if you have John Wofford, you don't need such dependency on the run game. And Cam Akers coming off that high ankle sprain, and like he told us, he was 110. Um, percent I'm not saying he was terrible, but he really did not look like he had his normal burst. But again, understandably so, considering he was coming off of a high ankle sprain and returned to the field after just a week, which is like crazy. So you know, he was like 21 care. So no workload change, but he only had 34 yards, and then he had a fumble um, in the red zone. And so um, the, the difference, though, was is that the Rams' offense didn't completely fall apart. You know, when, when the run game hasn't worked with Jared Goff this year, for the most part, they've pretty much fallen apart. When the run game fell, wasn't working um, this last week against Arizona, John Walford started picking up some of those easy yards and moving the ball downfield and Cardinals kept daring him to pass and he passed. And so it it really was, that was the difference. It's like, if you have a worst case scenario in your run game, yeah, I think it would make a difference if Jared Goff is in and, and on the converse, if your run game is really clicking, Jared Goff really can get those play actions and those bootlegs and everything going really, really well. But if it's not working and you just don't know, because again, that your lead guy's injured or, it says he's not, but sort of seems like he is, um, then, you know, that, then you're going to have some issues. But, you know, you can disguise some of that stuff when you have John Walford in and instead of picking up your run yard, your rushing yards via a lead back, if that back is struggling, you could sort of start to, um, you know, do a couple of design runs. And, and John Walford picked up a couple of first downs that way. So it didn't, it was really um, different to not see the offense implode without, you know, a, a really healthy, robust run game. And then also, what's the update on Cooper Cup? And are we going to see a return of Robert Woods? Because he's been pretty quiet the last few matchups. I know. Okay. So Robert Woods, um, well, first of all, Cooper Cup's back. He was back practicing today. He's obviously on the COVID list for the last um, 10 days or so. And he's back practicing today. Seems like he's going to be fine. Um, but the Robert Woods situation is interesting to me because last week, Robert Woods was talking to us about um, playing with John Walford. and was like, could not stop smiling and was like so excited. Well, fast forward to the game and he catches like a 40-yard 40, 40 bomb down the sideline from John Walford, Walford that had not connected through the entire year to that point. So we are like, oh, Robert Woods knew that ball was coming since Wednesday. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was, and so I think he likes, um, I think he likes playing, well, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate. I'm, I know he likes playing with both guys, but in, in specifications to what, how much the playbook got opened up and how much the plays could actually develop in that case, um, you know, it feels pretty good for a receiver to be able to make something like that happen. And if, if it's Jared, I, I see the receivers in a blocking situation more so than maybe, um, you know, a featured pass catching role. I see them going back to that short game, especially because of the injury. Um, and I see them kind of being more conservative. And so that's not really 
Robert Woods is good at that stuff, but it's hard to watch him sort of disappear into the fold when that happens because he is so capable of making these prolific plays. Well, let's go to our second piece of bulletin board material. It's all over the place, Chris. Like, the Rams are just all about the bulletin board material. This one uh, brought to us by Aaron Donald, uh, who after the, the Rams— I after- didn't tweet it. <laughs> nope, this was not this was this was not Jordan's doing. Uh Aaron Donald finds out that uh you know they're facing the Seahawks uh in the in wild card round of the playoffs. He says, quote, that's what we wanted. That's exactly what we wanted. Uh Jordan, why is Aaron so angry? Okay, so um someone asked him about this. I think the same reporter who asked him about it the for that clip asked him about this today. So it was um he wanted to play them again because they lost the last time. So that was kind of the indication. Um, Morgan Fox, one of the other defensive linemen, was on with us earlier this week, and he said that they wanted to play the Seahawks because um, they were familiar with them, so the game could be, on both sides, be more physical. So, like, because you know your opponent, you can really um, – you're not thinking as much, and you, you can be really, really physical, if that makes sense. So so I think that – and then Aaron today was talking about how they really are expecting a really, really physical game from Seattle. So um, I think that was kind of what he meant. But then also Aaron meant he really hates losing, and so he wants another shot at them. <laughs> so that was kind of my takeaway from that. But, yeah, oh, my gosh, they're giving them so much ammunition. I love it. I love it. I do. You know, it's it's crazy how far this, like, quote-unquote rivalry has come. I have to say quote-unquote because McVay was kicking Pete's ass for a little bit there, so it wasn't much of a of a rivalry. But I remember before the Week 5 game between the Seahawks and the Rams, 2019, it was Thursday Night Football, but four days before, the Bucks and Rams played. I think it was in L.A., and the score, I think the winning team had, like, 50. I'm pretty sure. I, I think it was the Bucks. Uh, and I, I'm watching it in the locker room with the Seahawks because they had beat Arizona and we're all watching it on the TV. And after they lost, I think Dominican Sue has like a strip sack or something. And they, mm-hmm. they, yeah, okay, okay, I do have that right. So he has like a strip sack and game's over. And then the, the Seahawks are all cheering. They know the Rams are lost. And uh, one of the DBs turns to me and says, cool, bring the angry asses up here. Mm. And I, I, I don't know if I put that in my story or not uh, because I, in my head I was like, man, this is going to get sensationalized. It's going to get stolen put up on these things and then it's just going to be like you know my my tweet or my story would end up like Jordan's tweet was just gets blown up taking that no for real <laughs> I was thinking I was like I don't want to I don't want to be that now in hindsight I'm like man I definitely should have just tweeted that <laughs> one clip I, I probably wouldn't have said who the DB was um but uh that oh that's great I love that this rivalry has come to the place where it's just like nah let's kick these guys ass I like it I wonder how Aaron will respond if they lose a second time <laughs> this time in the postseason when it mattered. Will that quote come back to bite him? Um, I think all of it will come back to bite everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Myself included. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Seahawks fans, if you're listening to this right now, and I know you are because these two are the best in the game. Okay. I didn't say this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's too late. It, as a reporter would do over the course of a week of reporting information, and it was a commentary on how smart the Seahawks game plan was that Mike and I had actually predicted the week prior. So when you guys are snitch tagging and quote tweeting me, please remember, I did not say it. <laughs> Well, Jordan, if you want to make up for it, just know that at the end of the show, we do our game prediction. All you have to do is pick the Seahawks and all will be forgiven, okay? Just a, just a, just a reminder. But I already am 
am on the record picking the Rams. I have to retain my journalistic integrity here. Welcome to Seahawks Twitter again. It's a it's a wild, wild place. Like this might be the most I think the the Cowboys Twitter is the most or that fan base in general is like the most like privileged one. I think their expectations for what they like their expectations are just outrageous, I think. Uh but uh it's the Seahawks Twitter, like, you'll get this team. I, I tweeted this to kind of get a gauge for it. They don't know that this is why I tweeted this. But I said, hey, if what's a reasonable, successful season for you guys this year? And then, like, everyone, no one was basically like, hey, you know, 12 wins is good. You know, it's a successful year. Everyone's like, no, no, no. If we don't go to the Super Bowl, we're screwed. You know, and it's just like the levels. For, and I, I agree, but it's like that's where this fan base is at. Like, last year they won, what, 11 games, Chris? Won a playoff game? And it was like, I get peed up out of here. <laughs> I was like, wait. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I've covered so many top 10 draft picks. Like, to cover a team that's in the postseason, like, this is great for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's... It could be so much worse for every... For, for both of these franchises, it could be so much worse. I've, uh, just from seeing some of our colleagues at The Athletic who have covered bad teams, like, even just, uh, you know, following Connor Hughes, our Jets guy. Oh, um, so who else covers a really bad team? I can't remember off the top of my head now. Uh, our Giants guy for a little bit there, uh, Dan. Like, I, I follow, I read these guys' stuff, Cleveland, earlier in the Atlanta. year. I read all of our Cleveland coverage after week one, and you would have thought that Baker committed a felony. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was it was really bad on Baker. Like, I, I don't take for granted covering a team that wins double-digit games every year, has a legit superstar on it. Like, it's, no, it, this fan base doesn't know how good it has it. Uh, let's let's close out on our last subject here. Um, it's one of the questions from our preview uh, that we did together as well this week, and I wanted to present it here. I'm of the impression that Pete has figured out a little bit of something with McVeigh. For the most part, he's figured out how to make golf look like boo-boo. Um, but I want to I want to hear you kind of expand on the idea that after beating Sean McVeigh and holding his team uh, to no touchdowns, do you think that Pete has figured out something in the boy genius offensive coach? Um. So I I probably for me I don't make I try not to do like have like takes unless I have a body of, of data and and I know you guys are are super into the analytics and the data up there in Seattle and I love all of the stuff as I sort of siphon off all of you guys' research all the time but I um I really think that if it, if he didn't quite figure him out he definitely got under his skin and in his head if that makes sense because it's two weeks in a row without a touchdown for a Sean McVay offense. I mean, that has never happened in his entire career. And so that, that to me is striking where, where I think the Seahawks have certainly figured Jared out. And I think it's less, maybe less figuring out Sean and more figuring out Jared because Jared and all of his turnovers have really been such an issue here. Um, is, is how to deploy different types of pressure at different times to keep him out of his rhythm. And it, because they can, they can bring blitz pressure very well. And they do with all, but Jared, if, if Jared can settle into a rhythm, let's say you're bringing the same type of, of blitz pressure over and over and over again, like you saw in the first time around, they were bringing that pressure Jamal Adams blitz like nine times in that game. And Jared was able to actually have a higher completion percentage against the blitz in that scenario than on average. If you can get him into a rhythm in any scenario, whether it's the same type of pressure, um, you know, getting his run game going, like any type of rhythm, Jared will be more successful. But what the Seahawks have been doing very well now is mixing up their types of, 
of pressure against which he struggles keep him out of a rhythm like sometimes they're only sending four sometimes where he really is bad sometimes they're doing different creative looks and different types of things sometimes they're covering up his boot um the way that you know the cardinals caught on to and then tried to do against john walford unsuccessfully the following week you know it's really that part has been really interesting to watch because basically they figured hey the answer here is actually kind of simple if we can figure out how to keep Jared out of a rhythm in any scenario, even a rhythm against pressure, then we can be successful against this team and we can make sure that um, their defense has to score like three touchdowns in order to win this game. And isn't that crazy? Because you think the answer is so simple, but like if you're sitting in these rooms and you're like, how do I beat this guy? How do I beat this guy? And you're thinking of all the different types of design and the complications and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you land upon the answer oh, I just have to keep him uncomfortable, keep him out of his rhythm. But that also means by not bringing the same type of pressure against him. I think that's so fascinating. That's such a, like, simple, of course, Pete Carroll thought of that type of situation. And that's exactly what has been so, what was so successful um, in the last game. Before we get you out of here, Jordan, you know what time it is. It's over, <laughs> under, and prediction. First, we'll start with the over-under, and I'm going to take a page out of Mike's book. We're going to go negative plays for Aaron Donald. I'm going to set the bar at three and a half. So negative plays are tackles for loss, forced fumbles, sacks. We're going to set at three and a half. Jordan, are you taking the over or the under? And by the way, last week, or excuse me, week 16, you took the three and a half under for DK catches on Jalen. He only had one, so you win that. Wow, that was okay. wow, wow, that was a really bad day for DK. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to take. Can I take the line itself? I'm not really sure how that works. Can I? Can I say three and a half? Uh, no, because that would be a push. Jordan. Well, technically, yeah, because there could be like a half a sack. That's a, so half that's a good second. question, but no, you have to take an. Okay. All right, then I guess I'll take the over on that. He seemed <laughs> really. He seemed really like. Um, I mean, I've never covered Aaron Donald in the postseason, but mm. uh, seeing his face today, he was, like, pretty locked in. <laughs> so. Uh-oh. Damn, you're scaring me, man. I hope Russ is able to make it out okay. Sheesh. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. He spends, like, a million bucks on uh, on um, on his body, so he'll, he'll be straight. Uh, I think he has a pool in his house. Like, there's something <laughs> – <laughs> for real, I think Russ is – I think Russ is, do, like, an indoor one as well. Like, he swims every morning, he says. I don't know. Maybe they got one in the facility. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to do an additional one. I want to I want to double up on the DK and Jalen again. What did I have it at last time, Chris? It was three and a half catches? Correct, yes. I don't. I guess I want to set it there again. That was that just feels so pathetic on DK's part. Like I want just more catches. Just say catches. Just say catches. Don't don't. No, because they have to be. I don't care if he catches it on Darius. We've Williams. already we have the whole segment of DK versus Jalen. I don't care if he catches it on uh, <laughs> Fuller or I don't even know the rest of the guys on the team. I'm not even gonna lie. Secondary is good. I just don't know everybody's name. So I want to do it again. Let's go. Let's go three and a half again. I'm giving. J- I'm, I'm gonna see if DK can redeem himself. Jordan, what do you got on specifically catches versus Jalen Ramsey for DK Metcalf? Oh, specifically against Jalen? Yep. Okay. You know what? I, I actually am going to take the over. Whoa. There we go. But, but just barely. I think he'll have I think he'll have four catches, but I, I think that they'll they'll keep him well in front of them. Like I don't think they're gonna be like super long. He might have he might pop one, but I don't know just based on how the secondary is played and how Jalen has played this year, he might have a few catches, but I don't know that the yardage will will sort of reflect that. No, that makes sense. That's kind of how the first matchup looked a little bit down yeah. in LA in 2019. A lot of I think he had like two screens, uh, yeah. a couple some quick quick stuff, and then one That's one they double move. Do. They should they should dink. I mean, because because the Rams they give a little they give a little bit of a cushion. Yep. Uh, 
So that's what they should be doing with him. It's like, you know, throw throw three more passes to get you to, to 50 yards, not one 50-yard pass. That's fine. <laughs> that mean that you're bad at offense. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I really do think it is like a pride thing. That's why I, I love that piece that Robert Mays did uh, on Brandon Staley about so his mindset. Because it really it, – it tests if – not only is it good scheming, um, and for those who don't know, like basically Staley's like, yo – it takes a lot of five-yard runs to get to a 45-yard pass, so we'll take away the deep ball first, worry about the run second. The Rams just happen to be good at both. But the reason that's so smart, I think, because offensive coaches are so stubborn. They have egos. And if you yeah. take away that thing, it forces them to either check their ego at the door um, and dink and dunk their way up the field or be stubborn to a fault like the Giants forced the Seahawks to do and see what the Seahawks they look like trash so it's just brilliant on Staley's part the best thing that the Seahawks could hope for is for the win this game on Saturday and then Staley gets hired by like the Jets <laughs> on Sunday that would be like Don't put that evil on him <laughs> that would be the greatest thing all right Jordan here it is game prediction what you got okay. I as you guys know seven times over at this point I <laughs> um I hate doing these so let me just uh. put them up there um Mike and I have this preview coming out that I hope you guys go read. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and in that prediction, even though I was dragged kicking and screaming, <laughs> dragged by one thumb kicking and screaming <laughs> into it, and even though it's probably going to be hideously wrong because I don't know who the freaking quarterback is going to be <laughs> at this point, I did pick the Rams to win. 17-14, and I, I picked that because I think the defense um, will score points, or will have to score points in order to win this game. There you mm. go, Chris. Make sure when you, you do the editing, up the volume on Jordan on that when <laughs> oh she does God. it. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? I got you, Mike. You know what you should, you should do? Like, you know how the DJ does when the, when the song, the, the start of the song is dope, and you run it back, and they go, dum, 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 and he, Oh, my God. <laughs> You just put the put the prediction put it on, on a loop, loop huh? Yeah, seventeen fourteen. Seventeen four you know, just oh put a God. put a beat under it. That'd Done deal. I think yeah. I can make that happen. That would that would be very, very, very well, dope. Well fine. I'm cutting you guys. When that song goes viral, I'm cutting you guys out of the deal. Oh <laughs> no. No, it probably would. Especially if she gets to score like absolutely right. That would be that would be crazy. Oh man, that's that's gonna that's gonna be so fun. I can't wait for this game on Saturday. Thank you so much, Jordan, for for hopping on with us. We appreciate all the insight, all the thumb references, um, all the all the predictions. Remember, Chris, loop that joint. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna go ahead and loop this, man. I did pick the Rams to win 17-14, and I I picked that because I think the defense. Um, will score points or will have to score points in order to win this game. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.